Hello, good evening and welcome to the New Midlife Woman radio show introduced by me, Jean Mack. And today our special guest is Julie Carr, who is a specialist bulimia recovery coach and mentor. In the course of her work, Julie has learnt about some of the fundamental principles which can be applied by all women with a bad relationship with food. She is also the author of the book, Are Your Dieting Strategies Killing You? So hello, Julie. Hi. Hi, Jean. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. Lovely to have you on the line. And can we tell our audience where you are at the moment? Sunny Barbados. Barbados. How the rich live. Wonderful. <laughs> I don't know about that, but how, how I live, yeah, it's not bad. Very good. Good. Well, can you start uh, by explaining what a bulimia recovery coach and mentor is and does? Yeah, okay. So I, be, I guess basically in a nutshell, you know, I lead people, women specifically, through a unique process to empower them to break free from bulimia. So that's the binging and purging behaviors and all the negative thoughts and feelings that they have about themselves and, and their bodies. So they can live a happy, fulfilling life defined by what they love, what they're passionate about, without ever having to resort to self-destructive behaviors, dieting, to manage their weight, shape or emotions again. Yes. In a nutshell. Yeah. And for the benefit of our listeners, some of whom have only a vague idea of what bulimia is, can you tell us, please? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess lots of people have read all about, well, not, not lots of people. Many people may have read about what bulimia is, and there's, you know, there's quite a lot of, of it in the media and, and things. So, you know, well, have, bulimia is described as quite different than actually having bulimia. You know, it's a bit like reading right. the outside of a book and thinking you know the inside story. So all right. The clinical description of bulimia is, you know, compulsive urges to eat food and then have some compensating behavior, which is throwing up, you know, self-induced vomiting, throwing up. And the lesser known ones are over-exercising, um, restrictive dieting, fasting, and laxative abuse, you know, overuse of laxatives, and various right. other methods. So some people might actually have bulimia and not know it because, you know, whilst I don't really like labels, they're often quite useful for defining something. And, you know, the clinical definition of bulimia is using one of those coping strategies just once a week for, for three months or more. I see. And, you know, whilst that might be, uh, might be a bit scaremongering or something, the truth of the matter is, you know, it can get you onto a slippery slope, that behavior of throwing your food up after eating just because you've overeaten something or maybe had a binge um, or you know starting over exercising to burn up the calories or even burn up the calories to get a calorie deficit so that you can eat something and those sorts of behaviors can get you on a really really slippery slope and before you know it you you've got a, a full-blown eating disorder or maybe not even a full-blown eating disorder but enough of one to really negatively impact your life what you've told me in the past, there's a lot of um, emotion and guilt that goes with this. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it can start off as like quite a fun thing, you know, like you can have your cake and eat it. And that's, that's how it was for me. I thought I'd discovered something great uh, when my sister came home one day after um, school. And I was crying because I'd, I'd broken my diet, right? And she was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm fat and I'm never going to be a model because I was planning on being a model. And, um, and she said, oh, just discovered that school, the Romans used to throw up after eating. Why don't you do that? And, um, you know, for a moment, I thought, wow, 
you know, if I ever do that again, if I ever overeat again, then I know what to do. But then it became, well, I can eat whatever I want and throw it up. Yes. And for a while, I thought that was great. And I used to plan binges and make sure everybody was out of the house and, and, and eat exactly what I want. All those things I'd been denying myself, I could actually eat. Chocolate, cakes, whatever. It was brilliant. But then I started doing it when I didn't want to do it. And that's really when the problem starts. But I say really when the problem starts. The problem starts from the moment you do it because it opens up a, a door that looks like an opportunity, but it's actually a prison. It yeah. really bothers you and you know, can, it can kill you. I mean, luckily, it didn't kill me. I'm still here to live the day. But, you know, it ruined many years of my life that should have been some of the best years of my life, you know, all through my late teens, 20s, and into my 30s. should have been having a great time. Um, but, uh, you know, I was a successful model. I traveled all over the world, but bulimia went with me. You know, destroyed the experience of living in different countries being successful, you know, I never felt I was successful. I was never good enough. Didn't matter what magazine cover I was on, you know, I, I just didn't feel good enough. And, mm -hmm. and part of that was because you know, I couldn't stop this behavior in the end. I just couldn't, I didn't, it could, I couldn't seem to stop it. It was out of control. So it's like carrying a guilty secret around that only you know. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, absolutely. I'm terrified. You know, it got really bad when, um, you know, I left home. It was bad enough at home. Mum used to go, where's the ice cream gone or where's the cake gone? And I'd go, I don't know. Don't look at me. Um, must be one of the others because I've got two sisters and a brother to blame and even my dad, um, you know, when the, when the food disappeared out of the freezer. Um, and I'm sure she knew something was going on, but I think she was either too scared or too polite or didn't know how to approach the subject. Um, but when I left home and went to live with other people, you know, like in the shared house, um, you know, I'd steal their food. I couldn't, I was, I'd be so hungry sometimes. I just couldn't help myself. Or, you know, I wanted to eat. And, and I'd go and steal their food, and the shops weren't open like they are today. So yes. it would be so stressful running around trying to find food to replace, to replace what I'd taken. And also someone might come home when I was, like, throwing up, you know. And, you know, I'd, ugh, it was just a nightmare. It was such a nightmare. Living okay. like so, so stressful. So stressful. Oh dear. So can you tell us how, well, there are two elements, of course, how you got uh, um, over it and how, how you managed to, to break out of, the, as you said, the prison, and then how you came to become a recovery coach to help other people? Well, it's a bit ironic, really. I'm not sure if that's the right word. But I'll kind of start in, in the middle, you know. I got into, into coaching and I was on a training course and I was sitting next to this, this psychotherapist, and I mentioned that I had anorexia and bulimia. And she was like, wow, you never get over that. And I was like, well, I think I have. And at that time, I, I was, I'd been fine for 15 years. I mean, that's quite a long time, right? And there she was telling me I hadn't got over it. And I was like, well, I, you know, I think I have got over it. I don't, I don't have a problem with my body, and I don't have a problem with food. And she was like, yeah, yeah, but you'll always have that voice in your head. And I was like, yeah, I know that bulimia voice. I know that eating disorder voice, but I don't have it anymore. Yeah, I've got a voice in my head, um, but it is not that eating disorder voice. Um, and I said, no, no, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. You know, I don't, I don't have that issue anymore. And so she said to me, well, how did you do it? What did you do to get over it? Yes. Well, I didn't know. To oh. <laughs> me, you know, I was struggling, struggling, struggling with it. So desperate to stop. And, and then one day, 
I wasn't doing it anymore. I was so delighted that I wasn't doing it anymore that I just got on with my life. And I was free. And, and you know, I still had some issues around self-esteem and because I, you know, didn't trust myself that much. I had lots of, you know, self, self-image, self-pity issues, I think, in the end of the day. Um, but I, I, I didn't really know how I'd done it. So I went home that evening and Googled bulimia because I, the internet wasn't around um, when I had my eating disorder. Right. Um, and there wasn't even a name for bulimia. I didn't even oh, know anything was. I didn't even know. I didn't really even know what I had. I mean, Karen Carpenter, I know, died of an, you know, something with food, right? That was, that was it. I didn't know what I had or anything. So, you know, I started Googling online, you know, what's bulimia? And I was absolutely horrified when I saw all this information and how many people were struggling and all the things that I, I could have had that had caused my bulimia. And also, I thought more importantly, I'm still looking for how I got over it. So long story short, you know, I start looking through the internet and, and I start looking back over the years from where I was to where I had been. And coaching is really a useful model. And there's lots of things in there about human behavior and how we think that I began to see how I got over the eating disorder quite successfully it seems because now it's over 20 years that I've been free no trouble with food no problems with my weight I don't diet I don't I don't even think about food in the same way that I used to I seriously love food I eat whatever I want and I, my weight stays the same that's wonderful I mean the, the the frightening thing that you just described was how you can be suffering from a disorder that doesn't even have a name it doesn't have a description uh, well it has a description for you but you can feel so isolated if it's only you as far as you know who's got that yeah I and mean, I think of course nowadays people know um, about the disorder because there's a lot about it there's a lot of awareness thank goodness about it um, and so hopefully people don't feel so isolated but even so it's still not something you want to share with people and particularly I think as you move into kind of midlife um, when you've got a good job got a good career I mean you don't want to be going off to see your therapist or somebody um, in the middle of a work day I mean you don't want people necessarily to know what you what you're doing because they might think you know I mean it's, it's considered to be a mental illness whether it is or not I don't know but that's for another time I think it makes you mentally ill I'm, I'm not sure about it being a mental illness but anyway like I said that's for another time um, but you know there's such a stigma around it and if you've got a, you know I work with lots of teachers actually and I've also worked with a number of lawyers so there are people in really good jobs yes and, and in positions of power and, and authority, really. Um, and so, you know, it's, there's a lot of guilt and shame around even, you know, the, owning up to it. Gosh, so, yes, they, they are successful living with this secret all the time. Yeah. And, and, and does it impact on their daily life or is just something that they do at home? No, it, I mean, because it impacts on your daily life. Whether you, I mean, some people, you know, will throw up in the daytime, they leave the office, go to the loo, or you're out at a business lunch. And maybe you overeat, you kind of freak out, and you nip off to the loo. People do it, right? They've told me they do it. Right. Oh, dear. Um, and, you know, then, of course, there's all that guilt. I mean, you know, when you feel guilty, you're always thinking other people are wondering, why, why have you gone to the loo or something? You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, and, and then you come back and you, you act a bit weirdly because you, you're feeling guilty. When you feel guilty, you act weird. I see, yes. Um, and then, of course, you know, if you've, if you've sort of managed to, to not do it in the day, but you go home 
and then you overeat or you even planned a binge or something because you're upset and then you binge and then you throw it up or you go running for hours upon end or something. The next morning you can wake up totally depleted of energy but you decide, hey, listen, I'm going to be good to go today so maybe you don't have breakfast. Right. Good. So you go off to work on a, on a completely empty stomach. It, this impacts your, your concentration, your focus and before long you're thinking about food because you're hungry. Yes. So your focus is no more, no more on the job. And as much as you try not to, you know, you're, you're, you're that, this, your, your brain is making you think of food. It wants feeding. Your body wants feeding. And, you know, you're getting these messages of, of hunger and, you know, coming through too loudly sometimes. Yes. And then, of course, you know, you're upset with yourself um, and, and you become very sensitive. But, you know, a lot of times you're, you're very anxious and, and upset. Your body's distressed because it's not getting the right nutrition or the right amount of calories. And you're kind of in that fight-flight mode. So yes. you're, you're, you're on high alert. So you're more anxious. You're looking around in your environment. I mean, you're not doing it. Your, body's, your, your brain's kind of doing it, right? You're looking around in your environment. And it's trying to find out what's wrong. So you're looking at everything through a negative lens. become yes. very overly sensitive. Um, and, and, you know, that's, I can't tell you how stressful that is, living in, in that kind of environment. And then people think it's them, that they're the ones that are negative. They're the ones that are anxious and depressed, rather than they're experiencing these chemicals that are in their body that are causing them to be anxious. You know, like adrenaline and, well, not, uh, yeah, adrenaline and um, cortisol and uh, some of the long um, hormones I can't pronounce the name of right now. Yeah. Coursing around in your body, you know, making you feel anxious, making you feel nervous, making you feel overly sensitive. So you you portrayed it as if it, like one day you woke up and it wasn't there anymore. Was it was it really as simple as that? Did you? No, I mean obviously, you know. So um, you know, I was struggling, struggling. I kept promising myself never to do it again. I mean, I can't actually tell you when the last time was that I threw up. Um, because I promised myself so many times I'd never, ever, ever do it again, only to find myself doing it. Yes. One day, I wasn't. So, you know, I probably went from doing it sometimes multiple times a day to maybe once a day, maybe once a week, once a month, kind of like, you know, a, a, like kind of drawn out. Yes. So now I have a process to make that much quicker because at the time I didn't know what I was doing. Right, and so... Yes. So, yes, I'm going to ask you if you could go on to tell, as a, as a, believe me, a recovery coach, that's quite very specific. How do you go about it? Well, you know, so one, one of the main um, components of getting over eating disorders, obviously, eating enough food, enough calories and, and, and enough nutrients so that your body has the energy and, and the nutrients to, to be okay. So, so all your bodily functions Yes. Can work. I mean, just doing nothing, doing absolutely nothing. Your body needs around about thirteen hundred calories. Right. So that your heart beats and, and your lungs move in and out, and your, you know things work in your body that you don't even think about. You know, your cells renew themselves and this, that, and the other. And so many diets are below that. Right, yes. That, that, that automatically starts triggering something in your body, which is, you know, the this, this starvation response is that you start to think about food, you start to obsess about food, you start seeking out food and eating as much as you can when you get it. You also start storing fat or, you know, putting on weight 
because that's what the body is designed to do. So it's about coming out of that starvation mode and beginning to use food, really. If you, if you eat well, your body weight, bodies are designed to be relatively slim, you know. Even yes. if you've gone through the menopause, um, I, I didn't put any weight on. Now, some people might say I'm lucky, but maybe I didn't have, a, I didn't have any, any problems with food. You know, I didn't start dieting. I didn't start doing anything. Um, so basically, I've gone off track. So basically, it's about you know, get a, a, having a new understanding, first of all, of, of how your body works, because basically we don't know. You know, we don't know. We don't know that we're putting ourselves in this fight-flight response. That you know, our anxiety is being caused by this response, not because we're an anxious person. Yes. Um, and so it's like get, you know, having an understanding of how the body works, and we don't need to be um, a doctor to know about that. We, and we need to know we, we, it's our body, it's our mind, it's our brain. You know, we need to know how it works so that we can use it efficiently and look after it properly. So it's about learning how your body works, reframing food so it's not something to fear, but it's something to, to really you know, appreciate and enjoy. We're supposed to enjoy food. Yes. It's supposed to give us pleasure, it's, and, and we need permission to eat what we want to eat. And, and when you do that, when you start eating, I mean, there's a, um, a lady, a doctor or nutritionist called um, Ellen Satter, and she's written a really good book, How to, The Secrets of Feeding a Healthy Family, I think it is. And yes. she said that people who feed themselves regularly and reliably, that is, you know, regularly over the day and reliably over time, with foods they like in satisfying amounts. Right. Have health, have better health indicators lower body weight, and do better emotionally and socially. Right. And that's where I'm heading when I'm working with people, is to get them eating regularly and reliably with foods they like, you know, in satisfying amounts. And you do that by listening to your inner nutritionist, right? Your body is the best nutritionist in town. You do not need to listen to any health experts, you know, um, any of these diets, you know, clean eating, uh, raw food, or, you know, all these, there's so many diets now, it's flipping confu confusing, you know, to know what you should eat, should or shouldn't eat. What I'm getting from this, Julie, is uh, an appreciation of what, what, you, what you meant by a bad relationship with food, uh, a good relationship with food, because obviously the way you portray the person's got so wound up about their eating and well, the whole thing, the whole condition, that um, most food becomes an enemy. Yet the way you portrayed it, um, in terms, did you did I hear you say that six meals a day was the kind of norm that you? Well, it's not. It's more like it's more, um, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Definitely, some people find you know having a t and then maybe two snacks. But some people find it too much. Not up to me to tell people how to eat. It's I want to empower people to trust themselves and their bodies again. Yes, yes, absolutely. That, that, that's, where the, that's where the truth resides. That's where you know what you're eating is right for you. And, and listening to your body, because your body knows what's missing, you know, what nutrients it needs, whether it needs more protein or more carbs or fat or whatever. You know, there's a feedback mechanism in the body. They kind of start, you know, like, this, for example, say it starts in the gut. It's an easier way of explaining it. So, you know, the food... Is, is being digested and it goes to the gut and the gut sends messages to the brain saying, oh, well, we've had X, Y, Z, you know, the nutrients or the minerals or fat, protein, whatever. We've had X, Y, Z and the brain goes, great. And now we need ABC 
So ABC comes up, comes to you as a, as a hunger message, right? I fancy to have ABC. Now, right. if you eat ABC, then you're eating what the body requires and needs, and you feel satisfied. Gosh. However, if you're on a diet, you might go for uh, ABC, EFG or something, or HIJ, yeah. and that's not what your body wants. Yes, yes. And then that's... craving for the ABC. And maybe it's chocolate, right? Maybe it's white chocolate cheesecake or something. Uh, or, or maybe it's a juicy steak. Yes. Well, what, what I'm getting is it's a whole different relationship with your body, and making friends with your body and, well, the whole of the body, of course, but the, this whole mechanism where they, uh, the feedback and, uh, between the digestive system and the brain and so forth, which presumably yeah. is, is drowned out in the noise that's going on when there's a, an eating disorder type yeah. Also for people just dieting, you know, because they're sticking to the rules of the diet. Yes. And how many, how many women are dieting, right? Loads, millions. They're listening to the rules of the diet, what they should and shouldn't eat, when they should eat, you know, that eat fruit before noon and don't eat after six or, or whatever it is. I mean, maybe that's just not, 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 I mean, it might work for one person. It might work for a number of people, but it's what works for you. Yes. And it leaves, leaves you feeling satisfied, not guilty, not wanting more. Now, obviously, coming out of an eating disorder, there's, you know, there's quite a big transition period, especially if you've been caught up in, in the eating disorder for some time. Or even like disordered and chaotic eating, which is what a lot of people struggle with. You know, you, you can't, it's very, you know, human beings don't really like change. We might want the change, but... Part of us that holds back, and and they were very motivated to start with to, to um, start something. Yes. And then something happens, and we lose that motivation, and before we know it, we're back doing the old behaviour. And yes. that's why you know, working with a coach or, or somebody else, you know, I mean, there's diff different horses for different courses. Some people might might prefer a coach. Some people might prefer a therapist. So, you know, there's there's lots of pros and cons. Um, and and because they can they can guide you, they can stand by you. They can support you when you're feeling weaker. Yes, well, absolutely. That's the power of coaching. Is it's quite magical how it can change just to have somebody else there, firstly who understands, and secondly who you can be accountable to. Yeah, and also I think you know the, the coaching model is very good for for, for eating disorders because, especially I think especially if you've had it yourself, because yes, you, you understand it right. Um, is, is, is that it works on moving you forwards, empowering you to be the one that's going to take you forwards because you're stuck somewhere and you want to be somewhere else. But who you are right now is not going to be who you need to be to get you to where you want to be. Yes. You need to change. There has to be an internal shift, and, and your coaching is all about that. Many therapy models work with what's wrong with you, and let's work on fixing it. Yes. I'm a super strong believer of Buckminster Fuller, who says, you know, if we're living in the old model, if the old model is obsolete, there's no point in trying to fix it. So the model of, you know, that supports bulimia, you don't want that in your life anymore. So there's no point in trying to fix it. What you want to do is create a new model for yourself. Brilliant. Yes, yes. So I work with people to create a new model for themselves. That is a new vision because they've got a vision that isn't empowering them. It's totally disempowering them. And it's, it's a, a vision of being stuck in the eating disorder, never being able to recover because that's their experience or because that's what they read online because there's quite a lot of 
articles and, and I'd say nonsense and say that people simply can't recover, like that therapist told me that she was surprised that I had. Yes. Like, belief that you can't. So you need a new vision for yourself. And then you need to, to have new beliefs about yourself. And there's a certain way of imprinting those into your being. It's not about changing negative thoughts, negative emotions, negative beliefs. It's about creating a totally new structure that supports yes. what it is that you, that you want. So, Judy, can we say that the, this philosophy can be applied to people who don't have classic symptoms of, of bulimia? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyone that's wanting to get out of a situation that they don't, you know, many women are fed up dieting. Yes. yes. Um, it's stressful. Um, and and the, the whole, yo know, the cycling of, you know, the weight going up and down and never really getting anywhere. It's very, it's, uh, it's very disempowering. It makes you feel like you're a failure. And, you know, people blame themselves for the fact that they can't lose the weight or stick to the diet. But it's the diet's fault. Yes. You know, we, the human beings are not, 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 not born, not, um, I'm going to use born, we're not born to diet like that, you know, to have these self-imposed diets. You know, anybody, you know, we're all wired to binge, if, if, regardless of whether you've got an eating disorder or not, if you restrict your food intake too much, you will start breaking the rules of the diet, you will start overeating and maybe binging. And then, you know, then people start to try and compensate whether that's, you know, many, many people, they don't have to be throwing up or over-exercising, right? They're just cutting back on the food the next day or maybe not trying to go all day without eating. Or they do the 5-2, really restrict all through the week, and then at the weekends they go crazy. Yes. Oh dear. And then they overeat. You know, there's, you don't actually have to have those, and there's many, you know, as I said, labeling is... is um, you know, sort of not the best thing to do. But you know, if, if you're not having a good relationship with food, if you can't feed yourself regularly and reliably with foods that you like in satisfying amounts, then I think there's a there's a problem there. Well, that's and, it impacts, and it impacts your life. It negatively impacts your life because there's too much focus on food. Um, initially, when you're coming out of an eating disorder or disordered eating, chaotic eating, emotional eating, whatever it is, there's probably quite a lot of focus on the food because you need to get a few things sorted. But as you move away from the problem, that you know you don't think about food so much nowadays. And for many, many years prior to nowadays, I get a feeling for what I want to eat. You know, the ABC from the brain tells me what yes, I want to yes. eat. I go and eat it. Now, you know, when that first started happening, I was like, oh, oh no, I can't eat that. That's too fattening. I can't remember. Like, maybe it was a McDonald's or something, right? You know, maybe I was on a course, and I remember sometimes thinking, oh, no, I can't have that. That's too fattening, or it's bad, or it's not healthy, or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have what I, I, what I want. That's what I'm going to have. And I'd much rather eat something than not have something, not eat anything, because that really doesn't serve me. It makes me feel really, you know, Tired, lethargic. Um, that I mean, that's as bad as it makes me feel if I don't. If I, um, and lots of people do that, and they don't have an eating disorder, but they have binge eating disorder, or they just don't have a good relationship with food, and that does impact them. And if they've got children, it's also impacting the children because they they copy. I'm sure they see what's going on, and it might not be. Um, you know, messages are passed sort of unconsciously between mother and child. Children see what their parents do. I mean, I'd have been a terrible mother, I admit it. And when in my 20s, I'd have been terrible. 
I've been absolutely awful, and you know, I've never, I've never, I've never been, never been pregnant, which is possibly one of the side effects of, you know, my many years of having an eating disorder. But some people have an eating disorder and they get pregnant, and so, who, you know, it's very difficult to say that was the cause. Maybe I just, you know, was I was one of these people that weren't going to have children. Um, but yeah, you know, there are just so many, um, there's just so many negative impacts if we don't have a good relationship with food, regardless of, you know whether it's an eating disorder or not. Right. Having a good relationship with food is like, you know, it's like you don't have a bad relationship with, with air. We don't go around restricting our air. Yeah. Um, and we shouldn't, do, we shouldn't do that with food because food is necessary to our survival. You know, water, oxygen, food to survive and be healthy. Well, that's great. It's such one, so wonderful to have such insight, such an optimistic philosophy. I mean, it's really so. It must be so gratifying to hear people, poor people who are sufferers from a bad relationship with food, and one knows so many people who've got all this thing, these circuits going round and round over food, even if it's not the classic uh, bulimic condition. So, really, the thing we want to do is connect people to you and your philosophy. Thank Exercise. You. Thank you. Called what's great about me so anyone struggling with food poor relationship with food or their body image doesn't feel so great about themselves and they're so focused on what's wrong with them that they forget that they've actually got many many skills many good qualities yes and, and maybe things they haven't even thought about since they were like kids and so this this exercise opens up a conversation you know what's great about me and has them look at, at various aspects of their light. Now I got this kind of from um, you know Joseph Campbell and, and 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 we're all born of greatness. And this is about you know looking for your greatness. What's great about me? Guys is is super empowering. Um, there's two parts to it, and the second part that I you know, when people do it, you know the feedback they get is brought some of my clients to tears. Like they're so moved by how other people see them. Right. That they have for themselves and then once you begin to see yourself in a new light as you know a new perspective gives gives you know a new understanding is a catalyst for change without that inner that that inner change it's very difficult to do anything and so similarly for people that are struggling with 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 you know changing their diet or or thinking that dieting is the thing when you start changing how you feel about yourself because i promise you women that are dieting are not feeling good about themselves they need to do is to have an exercise or, or somehow you know, work with someone that can change that that inner self-image because if that doesn't change nothing's going to change well not long term you know yeah the old motivation is good for so long but there's there's got to be an inner shift and that, that starts with your self-image exercise is a really really great starting point right so what we need to do is to get people who are interested in taking further and learning more about uh, Julie's work and philosophy to uh, connect with her and her website is uh, www.bulimiafree.com and then to get the what's great about me exercise um, I'm going to read this out but I will make sure that uh, we will put this information up on our podcast site so that um, you'd be able to uh, um, see it again from there so www.bulimiafree.com forward slash wp dash content forward slash uploads forward slash 2017 forward slash 02 slash what's great about me those four words are in capitals 
what's dash great dash about dash me dot pdf yeah yeah we got there right okay so for those on the call you'll be able to read that off the screen for yourself um and but for the other people hopefully you'll be able to get it from me or from um, what we've written and put down next to the um the podcast uh, recording of this interview I should also mention that when you go to the um, bulimiafree.com site uh, there are some free videos there aren't there julian they're, they're suitable really for anybody struggling really with with anything to be honest Good. because you know whilst my, my whilst my niche is bulimia recovery um it does cover you know issues of obviously food and body image um but also thinking you know um, and the, the the video the four videos the first one is about our thinking the second one's about emotions the second one is about our actions and the second one is about maintaining so it goes a bit back to this structure idea of you know we all live in a structure and the structure that keeps us stuck or the structure we've got now if you're not loving your life you've got something in that structure that's disempowering you yes and it's about creating a new structure and maintaining that so the four videos are kind of themed around thinking, emotions, actions, and maintenance, and are really useful for, for you know, anyone that's got issues with food or their body image, self-esteem, negative thinking, you know, self-sabotage. I'll find it really, really useful. Very good. Now, we, we mentioned your book. How can people who like to read uh, get hold of your book? bulimiafree.com forward slash the dash doc dash side dash of dash summer dash dieting dash download and then you know people they, you know you go on this diet and then summer's over and you've lost weight before you go on holiday and then you go on holiday my god you put all that weight back on and some and then there's someone to help you on the other side to lose the weight that you put on during your holiday you have a really good relationship with food. You just don't have to diet. There's no. You don't have to restrict it. You know. You don't have to restrict your diet. You can eat. You can eat what you want if you listen to your body. Very good. Okay. Well, that's a wonderful note to end on. Just hope that we can make the connections. But failing all else, the way to connect with Julie is bulimiafree.com. Put that in, um, and you'll find that also on Google. Uh, and from there, you get to Julie's wonderful website. And all those sorts of good things there and you could always then contact julie email her through the contact part and she'll look, look after you from there on let me end off by thanking the audience for attending this evening and thanking julie for being such a wonderful guest pop over to my website and you know drop me a line download the videos um there is an answer you do not have to suffer seriously good and on that very optimistic note once again, thank you, thank you, everybody, and we'll be seeing you, speaking to you again soon. Bye. Bye.